My name is Andy Spateri. I'm joined, as always, by Allison Aletha. Al, how you doing? Good. How are you? I am pretty good, and uh, I'm a very special guest, and uh, it's been a while since you've been on, Rod, but uh, you're back on the Champions cast, or at least you're back on when I'm on. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm ready to defend myself. <laughs> uh, so yeah, today, today is going to be what we can only call Zelda Dungeon. Civil War. Civil War. Civil War, baby. Um, and the 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 back the background to this, the context of this is we are gearing up at Zelda Dungeon to release our annual best Zelda ever list. That comes out Saturday, November the thirtieth. Uh, so look out for that. Of course, in years past, we have uh, taken kind of a poll of all of the different editors and writers at Zelda Dungeon and we asked them to rank all of their favorite Zelda games from their least favorite to their favorite um, and the the higher the game on the list the more points it got so we did it again for this year uh, with a few uh, with a few tweaks we've added in some side games for inclusion this year including Hyrule Warriors and Cadence of Hyrule and the original Four Swords so not Four Swords Adventures but the OG Four Swords so all of those games made it onto the list this year. So there's 21 games in all. I'm really excited about it. Uh, I'm just looking at all of the different opinions and perspectives of all the different Zelda games. And uh, it's really cool. This is my favorite article to put together uh, every year, pretty much. And actually, next week, we're going to break down kind of our thoughts and uh, analysis, I guess, on the list. But for this week, before we get into that... We wanted to talk about one particular game that's near and dear to uh, to my heart and maybe near and dear to other people's hearts, but for all the wrong reasons. Skyward Sword. Alice, Skyward Sword is your favorite game, right? Yes, it is. It's my number one. Well, <laughs> I, I don't think the same could be said for Rod. So it is we not. We're going to get into Skyward Sword in particular. We wanted to hone in on this game. And just go over why it is that it is so divisive amongst Zelda fans. Because Skyward Sword is is the one game on this list for 20 different editors. I would say the majority of people either had Skyward Sword in their bottom five or like in their top five. There wasn't a lot of in between. Did you did you kind of catch that pattern too, Rod? I did. Yeah, I. Uh... Other than maybe the uh, the spinoffs, 
Skyward Sword is the only game that I thought kind of spanned the entire list. And it, it was it was it was quite interesting especially considering last year like it ended up pretty high last year too. So yeah, last year for reference, Skyward Sword was about 3 or 5 points or like something really really close. 3 or 5 points from actually overtaking Twilight Princess on our best Zelda ever list, which to be fair is probably the second most divisive game on our list, but it seems like more people this year kind of ranked it towards the front than in years previous where they ranked it more so towards the back. And maybe that would be a good episode to do down the line because I have some thoughts about Twilight Princess. Uh, yes, some thoughts. <laughs> but today yeah. is all about Skyward Sword. <laughs> so I'm, ex- I'm excited for that, but I'm also nervous because I feel like you know, Rod comes prepared. He's he's. I, I don't know about prepared, man. I feel like I'm gonna get whipped. I've, I got two on one. <laughs> well, and uh, and before before we dive into it, I think that we can that we can say like there are certain elements about Skyward Sword that if if you don't connect with them, then the game really falls apart for you. But actually, yes. before we get into there, I wanted to quickly just ask you, Allison, um, did you hear any? Any feedback about our Pokemon episode from last week? Because I got a ton of people uh, tweeting me saying how wrong we were for hating on Hop. I saw that. I saw mostly Facebook stuff. Um, I saw about the Hop, and then I also saw about how we were saying that this could be the Breath of the Wild of Pokemon, but for some reason people just were reading the, the title and thinking we were saying... This game is as good as Breath of the Wild. You have to play it. And I was just like, that's not what we were saying. <laughs> I I got a lot of feedback. And I, yeah, I got I got a ton of people just like, that's an insult to Breath of the Wild. I was just <laughs> like, dude, listen to the show because we're not saying the game is as... It, it's not on the same level as Breath of the Wild. It's not on the same level in terms of changing the culture of Pokemon it's not on the same level as Breath of the Wild did for Zelda, but there is some very Breath of the Wild-esque things in there. And I even took a screenshot of the slumbering... I think it's called the Slumbering Woods, where you find the legendary dogs. And, like, dude, if this doesn't look like the Lost Woods from Zelda, yeah. I don't know what does. Right. So, but, yeah, I... You know what? I refuse to apologize. I will double down and say that Hop is the worst. The absolute worst. Rod, have you... Are you a Pokemon guy at all? Are you into this? I like Gen 1 and remakes of Gen 1. <laughs> well, that's fair. There's some cool Gen 1 remake <laughs> Pokemon, actually, in this game. There's a there's a evolution to Mr. Mime, if you can believe it. Yeah, well, that, that doesn't sell me on the game. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I guess Dang it wouldn't. It. <laughs> Mr. Mime doesn't sell you, darn. Yeah, I'm, I'm doubling sur- down. Surfe- Surfetched might get me in the door. I might play it for that Pokemon and that Pokemon alone. <laughs> He's pretty cool in this game, actually. He's he's a member of my um, elite Pokemon party that I always carry around with me. I've got like a level seventy Surfetched. He's pretty. He's a pretty cool guy. I've heard he's a. I've heard it's a bear to uh, to evolve that Farfetch though. Is that is that correct? You know what? It's not too bad. And I will give anyone listening some free advice here. So the way that you evolve uh, Farfetched into Surfetched is you have to battle and you have to land three critical hits in one battle, which. Sounds tough, but it's not that bad. So first of all, when you go to Route 5 and you catch a Farfetch'd, half of them are holding an item called a Leak. And the Leak increases your critical hit ratio by, like, a substantial amount. So 
catch one of the far-fetched with those and keep catching them until you get one. What I did was I went over, and I think my far-fetched was, like, level 20 at the time. I went fishing. I caught myself a, a, mag a level 20 Magikarp. This thing can attack you, so he just flails. So I just hit... I, I, I gave my... Um, my Farfetch just a really crappy attack that did no damage, but like you'd hit it over and over and over and over again, and eventually, there you're gonna get some critical hits. And Magikarp isn't gonna do anything to you because all he does is flail. So like, boom, there's a Surfetch for you. Pro tip. Very nice. There you go. I was curious too, for listeners in general, and I am asking this because Allison and I were talking earlier today about it. How many of you people out there? have uh have eaten curry in the last week strictly because of pokemon i would love to know i would too i, I had some for lunch today and i made it for my lunches for the whole week and i learned that andy had some last night <laughs> i had some last night and for lunch today because i had some leftover yes. is, is the curry in pokemon like beautiful to look at is it savory it looks savory they make it look very pretty okay it looks pretty fantastic, and like, there's this big mountain of curry too, which just looks scrumptious. I, I'm, I a, like I like curry; it's good stuff. Is there a curry Pokemon? Ooh, is there? No. There's I a don't know. there's a teapot. I've got the teapot. There's like a milk thing, and wow. an ice cream cone, I don't, and an apple turnover. I don't <laughs> think there is a, a curry Pokemon. Yeah. Well, there that's... you go, Game Freak. We we gave you an idea. You can pay me. At a <laughs> this is BS. How do we have an apple turnover dragon type Pokemon, but not a curry like... Pokemon? Or maybe a Pokemon shaped like a jelly donut. Oh boy! <laughs> they thought it was a little too close to what we were cooking, and they they thought, uh, this looks a little bad if we got a Pokemon that looks like curry, and then we're feeding our Pokemon curry. I will say before we move on from Pokemon that I actually unironically love the ice cream cone Pokemon. I think, like, that whole line is awesome. And I know that people, like, shit on it in particular, but, man, I, I just, I love that, that little Pokemon I like guy. guy. He's cute. Yeah. Vanillux is cool, too. He's got two heads. Oh, I haven't gotten that far yet. I just have the first two. Um, so, yeah, so that, putting a bow on Pokemon here before we, we finally get back to Zelda, it's a great game. I love it. Hop is the worst. And uh, I think that we could pretty much put a bow on Pokemon's sword and shield until perhaps the inevitable expansion or next game into that Pokemon. I don't even know what you'd call the next one. Pokemon, like, really sharp sword or really sturdy <laughs> shield. Pokemon bow and arrow. Yeah, there you go. Oh, dang. Well, let's do it. Let's talk about the Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. Perhaps the most controversial, perhaps the most divisive Zelda game in the entire series. Uh, Rod, you rated this game pretty low on your list. Give us a brief description. Pretty low. Give us a brief description of why that is. Well, um, I think that, in my opinion, Skyward Sword is the exact opposite experience than what I would want out of a Zelda game. It has pretty poor pacing... It holds your hand way too often, and the motion controls are just god-awful. It hurts my arm to play that game. <laughs> now, Allison, what's your hot take on Skyward Sword? What about it Like, makes it one of your favorites? 
Uh, first of all, weak. If it hurts your arm. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Whoa. Um, <laughs> um, I just, I don't know. I, I didn't play Skyward Sword right when it came out, but I played it a couple years later. I thought the story was the best by far in every Zelda game. It's everything you wanted from Breath of the Wild and more. And I think the motion controls take some getting used to. And then once I got used to them, I thought it was a fun, more interactive way to play the game. It was more gimmicky. It was cool to fight all the enemies. And I like the puzzles and the colors. I just think overall, it's a really great game. It is exactly what I want from a Zelda game. All right. Well, two opposite sides of the spectrum here. Let's dive into the most controversial thing about Skyward Sword motion controls. I... I can understand where some people maybe don't appreciate the motion controls or the control scheme because for me, the games that do that to me that ruin the experience is Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks. I just like I hate the way that it controls, and so yeah. it's it's hard for those games to kind of get past that or do something well enough to really compensate for that um, and and overcome that. And they never do ultimately for me, and not you know. They're good games. I still, I don't think there was a bad Zelda game, but like on the Zelda scale, as we always kind of talk about that, like somewhere in between the eight to 10 scale, they, they fall closer to the eight than the 10. So I, I agree can, with that. I can understand the, um, y- you know, the motion controls being a put off for some people. I just like when I was playing, I never experienced any hiccups or anything like that. I, I did think that it was kind of immersive and kind of cool when you're doing all these like zigzaggy kind of moves and stuff like that i guess like rod did you ever have like problems with the controls yes, and just the way they function? I sure did <laughs> i'm like the the one action that i like think to immediately is trying to bowl a a bomb across the floor it never worked <laughs> like i felt like i had trouble with just that simple action and then every other like aspect of the game that required motion controls other than the sword play i felt like the sword play worked okay I always had trouble, like, maybe uh, stabbing forward. That seemed very uh, in- unintuitive to me. But all the other little, like, you know, the zigzagging the, and creating little symbols with the sword or moving the the keys, you know, the, three-dimension- the three-dimensional keys around, it just felt, like Allison said, gimmicky. And to me, gimmicky doesn't isn't a positive. It's just kind of Nintendo insisting to put a hardware... Uh, gimmick into my gameplay when all i really want to do is push a button <laughs> you know so did you have um wii motion plus or like a I did. regular remote yeah i had the built-in wii motion plus the zelda gold controller that came with skyward sword so i i i, I, I would think that i had the best type of wii motion plus it just yeah didn't work i can't remember did you did you need wii motion plus to play skyward sword or was it you did yeah okay yeah, you did I was going to say, I can't imagine playing it without it. That yeah. Be, that'd be pretty dreadful, I think. I think um, if, if Twilight Princess had the same motion controls as Skyward Sword, I wouldn't like Twilight Princess all that much either, to be honest. Like, I like Twilight Princess as much as I do because I could play it on the GameCube. If it was only on the Wii, like the Wii version was the only one that was available to me, I have a feeling I would rate it lower because of that alone. Yeah, I guess, like, I was going to bring up Twilight Princess. To me, when I'm riding my horse in Twilight Princess, and you're just kind of, like, wig-waggling the, the Wii Wiimote, and you're, Link is slashing his sword, I just thought that was, like, kind of lame. Whereas, like, in Skyward Sword, I just remember, like, 
like I remember fighting demise and like putting my uh Wiimote right up to the sky doing like the the skyward slash like I thought that was like really cool um Allison did you ever have any problems with the controls yeah I mean I'll 100% admit that the motion controls are not perfect in any way and sometimes it can be really frustrating but and I've I've read things from people saying about calibration issues and all I think to myself is it, it has the motion plus, so all you have to do is center it yourself and then press the down button on the D-pad and it centers it to how you would like to play. So it's not that hard to calibrate it. Um, the fact that you do have to calibrate it is kind of annoying. And I don't like the swimming uh, yeah. motion control thing. That was kind of frustrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But otherwise, I, I really like what they were trying to do. And... Like, so I appreciate the gimmicks, and I appreciate that they're trying to make you be more interactive with the game than just pressing a button. So I appreciated the different, like, the uniqueness of what they were trying to do, and I thought it was fun. So I have a hypothetical question for you guys. Let's say that E3 2010 never happens. We never get that disastrous tech demo gone awry where, like, none of the motion (laughs) controls work. Let's just say that that works perfectly, or, or maybe just doesn't even exist. Like, do you think that because that happened, people went into Skyward Sword ready to just be like, oh, these controls are garbage, they don't work? And, and like, not to say that people didn't give it a chance, but, like, do you just think that, like, people were just really looking for it? Or do you think that this would be as contentious an issue as it is without E3 ever happening? I, I think I I know I didn't go into Skyward Sword hoping for it to fail. Like I remember watching that tech demo. De- I watched the tech demo and I thought, "Ooh, this is embarrassing." But also, they explained after the fact, like, "Hey, yeah, we had a lot of interference. There's a lot of journalists in the room with Wi-Fi. Um, play it in your house. It's gonna work great." And I like I remember the first you know maybe hour of the gameplay. It didn't bother me too much, but it just it just wore on me, and I was like thinking to myself, "I wish." This was just a game where I didn't have to do this. You know, it just seemed burdensome. I, To be honest, I actually never saw that E3. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to go watch it after I'm <laughs> done here. It's pretty but, fun. Um, I think maybe a lot of people could have felt that way going into it. However, if they were like me and they haven't seen it, I just think it's one of those games that, um, you know, it's new. They're trying to make you do things that you probably don't want to do. So the first hour, um, I'll 100% admit that the first hour is like you have to get used to the motion controls. And if you're just one of those people that are like, nope, not I don't want to do this, I don't like it, then you're not going to get into the game. But there's a lot of people that you know feel that way, and then there's a lot of people that try a little bit more and give it to give it a chance. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've always been under the belief that like you know how they you know how they say you can never make or you can only make a first impression once. Like, I, I really do feel like for a lot of people, the first impression that Skyward Sword makes, and, and it doesn't matter that there is perfectly legitimate reasons for it not working, but, like, I feel like that impression, people were just like, oh, this is going to be this cockamamie control getup that I'm going to always have to fight with or whatever. And and maybe that's just because in my experience, like, I just, I never had to, to to battle with the controls like they always just worked really well for me so i always was under the belief that like you know i think it did affect some people going into this game because that first impression is just like well these things don't work even if there's the slightest bit of interference with it so like this isn't going to be great yeah to me i'm like in that camp where if if 
it doesn't work exactly right. I'm I'm hyper aware of it, and I'm just frustrated by it. I'm like, this wouldn't I wouldn't be this frustrated if it was just tact you know uh, tactile button presses. I feel the same way about Breath of the Wild's motion controls, like some of the puzzles in the shrines where you have to move uh, the switch or the um, Wii uh, the Wii U pad around. That was just you know that didn't work quite right either, and it was frustrating to me. That yeah, those like gyroscopic puzzles and stuff like that which, which yeah. is funny because i hate those like I, I can't stand them but for for some reason like skyward sword just really immerses me with those controls um i guess you mentioned earlier rod about the pacing of the game maybe maybe elaborate on your feelings about that so i feel like the game is kind of cut up into very distinct pieces and what I mo- enjoy most about past Zelda, because this is the thing, like, I feel like, you know, on a, if you really take yourself out and, like, examine the pacing of any Zelda game, they're going to be segmented. Like, you know, every, like, Ocarina of Time is, and, and A Link to the Past have that template where it's like, you do three dungeons and then you kind of change the world somehow, a dark world, or go into the future, whatever it is, and then you do a series of other dungeons, and every dungeon is distinct, but. There's this with those games. There is a an illusion that the world is acting on itself, and things are happening even if you're not currently there. The world seems more interconnected. Whereas in Skyward Sword, it's I feel like because the the world is so segmented, it's quite obvious that you're moving from one part of the game to the next almost through a loading screen. You know, but the loading screen is just getting on your. Uh, your bird and flying to the next area. Um, so that to me is what kind of takes me out of the experience. Whereas in a game where I can kind of immerse myself in the world and move from one area to the next in, in more of a logical way than just, you know, go up into the sky, drop into a ring in the ground, watch a loading screen. And then I am now suddenly in a new world, you know, or a, uh, sorry, a new area of the world that to me seems like poor pacing. What do you think, Al? I just think the the story makes up for it because you have so much going on in between those segments. Uh, yes, it is segmented. I will agree with that. Um, I feel like there's very three very distinct parts of this game. But I think that if you're if you're really into the story and you're connecting with it, those part that part doesn't matter because you're you're um, you're getting all this other information while you're in that loading screen that you say. So you're getting dialogue or you're getting a cutscene or you're getting whatever and I feel like that is what makes up for the the pacing of the segments that's fair um and I, I'm sure we'll talk more about the story in a, in a bit but um another aspect of Skyward Sword and those three distinct worlds is like you kind of retread the same ground a little too much in Skyward Sword um I know like I would say the best paced area or province in Skyward Sword is the Lanayru province because every time you go back there you are experiencing a different part of the desert you know you have the sand sea you have um kind of like the the point before it where you're dealing with time shift stones and stuff like that whereas in the other two provinces you just go back especially Elden Elden I felt like was the worst cuz you just do you kind of retread the same ground and maybe move a little bit further into the mountain but that's really about it 
and then you add in the Silent Realm stuff on top of it, you are legitimately walking through the same areas three or four times throughout the game, which to me is kind of, I don't know, repetitive, tedious. I actually agree with you about that, Rod. In like halfway agree with you. You you definitely have your distinct sections that you go into, and then you definitely have it's like you do Fair and Elden Laneru, something happens, you go back and do them again, something happens, you go back and do them again. So like it's very segmented. I where I disagree is like not only did I not mind that, but I actually kind of liked it. And this is gonna be a weird analogy, but like so I'm a big Metroid fan, and in Metroid, frequently you go back and you retread the same areas over and over with like different power-ups that allows you to explore a little bit further into the world. Sure. Um, so with Skyward Sword, it was kind of like the same thing in my experience where I was just like, you know, I was like, okay, well, I'm back in the Faron Woods, but now it's different and I have this other thing that I need to do or like this other section where like I can unlock deeper and deeper and I feel like I'm unlocking more of this world. And like, it, it, you know, Skyward Sword definitely isn't a game where you go and do a lot of exploration in the traditional sense. Uh, you know, and I think not... that's what separate, that's what separates it from Metroid. I feel like with, with Samus, you're kind of exploring the world and you're going, Oh yeah, I remember there's this door in, you know, this part of the map that I can go and explore because I now have an item to expand into it. Yeah. Like it's, it's not the same where you're kind of uncovering secrets necessarily as in Metroid, but like in Skyward Sword, you get that same, kind of satisfying like okay like i'm unlocking the secrets and going further and further and further into everything or like now that i'm back to this to this other area that i've been to before but it's completely different like i'll use Farron as an example again and i don't really like the water controls but like Oof. when you go back it's like it's a different thing to do like it, it's flooded now so i've got a i've got to go ahead and, and fix this so like you I don't you like that was, <laughs> well i mean i like the idea of it yeah like the different the different things that you have to do each time that you go back, I, like the swimming, I, I actually I'm gonna go ahead and say like other than the controls of the swimming, which are which are a little bit touchy, which I I did this year at the marathon, which was a disaster. Um, they're a little bit touchy, but like the idea of finding all of the uh, the what are they called the tadpoles, the Tad little tons. that yeah, the idea of finding those I thought was cool, and like to me I just really liked the. Um, I really liked being able to go back but see something different. It kind of, like, it did. It reminded me of Metroid or, like, Castlevania or something where you kind of press further and further into the world. It also helps, too, that I really like um, the world and the way that they're designed. Like, the the aesthetic of this game, I feel like, is probably... I, I'd say probably Breath of the Wild is my favorite now, but, like, at the time... I was just like, you know what? I hate the way that Twilight Princess looks. Everything's ugly and dark. But I also don't really like the way Wind Waker looks because it's like, car not cartoony, but it's just like, it's too bobbleheady. the characters look like. This is a really nice blend of the two that for me, when I was going back, I was like, okay, like I, I like this world. I'm totally okay being here. I agree with that. I do think that um, visually Skyward Sword, especially if it was to get a, an HD remake, which I think it des like it deserves that because... It just hasn't aged very well on like a technical level. That's only because it was released in standard def. But if it got an HD remake, I th or it, it would look amazing. And I think the character 
uh, animations are flawless. I think they. That's why I, I really enjoy a lot of the cutscenes because the character just the character designs and the character animations are just so funny. Like I'm just thinking of Link flying through. Like he's kind of you know gliding down and he looks up and sees Groose flying toward him, and he freaks out. It's great. I would love to see Groose in glorious HD. Uh, what was your take on the dungeons and the music? I guess really quickly, Rod. Um. For the most part, I felt like the dungeons were really well done. Uh, the dungeon themes are great. Um, I remember walking into the first dungeon, which is Skyview. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's. My, I remember hearing the theme for that, and I was like, oh, this is so good. And they have a full orchestra and kind of mixing in the MIDI sounds with the orchestra. It sounds great. I think the music's great. And for the most part, I enjoyed the dungeons, save for, like, it kind of... In Twilight Princess had the same problem. It fell into the... Hey, we're going to give you an item in this dungeon that you're kind of only going to use in this one dungeon. You know, you might use it here and there later on, but it seemed very uh, limited in what you were using those items for. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I can kind of see that, but that's that's kind of a general right. Zelda, um, you know, part of the formula. Right. I, I, really, I really like the dungeons and the music. I thought they were... They were different. They were out there. They were colorful. Um, every like the music matched um, each dungeon so well, and I just really appreciate the puzzles and the little idiosyncrasies that you had to do to get through these dungeons. It made it fun and less of a chore, which is how I feel about Twilight Princess dungeons. It yes. just feels like such a slog to go through Twilight Princess dungeons. Whereas Skyward Sword, I'm like. I have a huge smile on my face the entire time I'm doing this. I think Skyward Sword did achieve um, kind of like the vision that A.J. Onuma was talking about where he wanted the dungeons to feel less like, you, you know, like very isolated areas and more like part of the world that they exist in. And I think especially in the Lanayru dungeons, um, like I'm t- thinking like the sand ship, I felt like, um, you know, you kind of... Y- you don't know the line is blurred between where the dungeon starts and where it, you know it ends. Like the world, you know, kind of transitions smoothly into each dungeon. It, it, to me, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I think the era with Skyward Sword and, and Link Between Worlds is like the last great Zelda dungeons that we've had, which is crazy because it's, you know, Skyward Sword is going to be turning ten years old uh, next next year. Um, to add on to the dungeon item thing too, I I don't disagree with um the item kind of being exclusive to the dungeon but you know that as allison said i think that that's also kind of like a zelda issue in general i don't disagree you know like how many how many times did you use the megaton hammer in ocarina of time outside you're of right. the fire temple like not very much and then going back further and i think it's really exemplified by link's awakening like that game just gives you stuff that you should already have in dungeons like the ability to lift up pots you know like that's a dungeon item in in that game so i i feel like you know i i feel like yes that's a that's a common criticism but uh and a valid one but i feel like it's not a skyward sword criticism it's just like sure the one i think it was just like it reached critical mass like i felt like that was the the tipping point where i was kind of reached my wits end with it because it just it was such a reoccurring issue and then it felt like breath of the wild addressed it in the best way it could so i was gonna I was going to ask that to you, actually, and, and maybe really quickly before I segue into that, I will say, like, I, for dungeons for Skyward Sword, there's, like, a handful of dungeons, like the, like the sand ship or the mining facility or the cistern or whatever I could think of, like, off the top of my head that I would put up there with, like, any dungeon 
for in sure. Zelda. But the way what you just said was really interesting. Like it kind of um, it reached its its end peak or whatever. Because like I feel also like Skyward Sword is kind of the victim in a sense of like okay, so we had Ocarina of Time and it completely reinvented the wheel and revolutionized Zelda. Then we had Majora's Mask, which is the follow-up, which is almost the same game, but with a, a new time travel gimmick. Then we had Wind Waker, which is almost the same game as Ocarina of Time, but with different graphics and water. Yep. And then we had Twilight Princess, which is almost the same game, but with the wolf. And it's like, did Skyward Sword just suffer a little bit as well? Because, you know, this is this is a game that for, you know, the, the skeleton of it or the foundation of it is like, you know, this is the sixth main 3D Zelda game in a row, and it's like, is this just kind of diminishing returns to a lot of people, or, you know, like, I I wonder if it suffers strictly because of that, too. I I think I can see that. Um, Especially a lot of the gripes that I would have, like, with Zelda in general, you know, like the, the, the very basic outline of what a Zelda game was at that time. I felt like Skyward Sword didn't address anything. Um, and I, I, you're probably right. I, that's by that point, I was kind of like, I want to see something new. Um, and the handholding, I think falls in line with that. I feel like, you know, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask and the Wind Waker and Twilight Princess all suffer from handholding issues to a degree. I feel like the game puts roadblocks in your way to kind of block progress or, point you in a certain direction and none of them did it very well or like you know with enough finesse and i felt like skyward sword was a another iteration of that where it was trying to point you in a direction without any finesse and it was and then like the next year dark souls come out comes out and the game is very open and doesn't hold your hand but it points you in a certain direction not by force but lets you decide to do it I guess, yeah, I guess, like, my question is, do people... Skyward Sword, the exact game, comes out in 2006, and Twilight Princess, the exact game as it is, comes out in 2011. Like, do people think less of Twilight Princess and more of Skyward Sword, do you think, in that instance, just because it's less stagnant at that point? That's a good point. I think it's, I think that's, I think there's something to that. Yeah, I think so, too. It's hard, like it, it would be hard to say, really. But I don't know. Maybe they would, if that were to happen, would have happened. Um, I should say maybe people would have been like, "No, Skyward Sword's so bad," and then Twilight Princess went back to, you know, kind of being less gimmicky. Um, then they would have been like, "Oh, this game is." So, I still think that people would have liked Twilight Princess more than Skyward Sword. And I think Twilight Princess, when it came out, that was the kind of game every Zelda fan wanted. Like, at least for my generation, it's like I grew up with Ocarina of Time and I wanted to see a return to that after Wind Waker. So if Skyward Sword had been announced, I would have been excited because, oh, cool, Link's an adult. But also, you know, he doesn't have his horse and you're not like, I don't know, you're not exploring the same type of world that Ocarina of Time was. I feel like as a kind of pseudo remake of Ocarina of Time, Twilight Princess came out at the right time. Yeah, like I I'm from the same kind of generation as you. Like I I remember man when that trailer came out for Twilight Princess, that was the the ultimate gaming moment. Probably still to this day. Like I just remember that and it was like holy crap, like they're doing it. It's it's a new Zelda. It's 
and it was a huge deal. So, uh, you know, I just I always thought that, you know, and, and Skyward Sword definitely has its faults for sure. But I did think that there were always some other factors that kind of went into, you know, people not liking it maybe as much as they could have. Like, for example, when it comes out in relation to how many previous games like it had come out before it, um, you know, the system it, it came out for, because, I mean, the Wii was essentially almost dead and yeah. buried away at that point. And then, um, you know, the whole icky first impression with the motion control. So I do wonder, like, if things have been a little bit different, the exact same game came out, if people wouldn't rag on it as much as they do. But, you know, there is no denying that this is not a Zelda game for the Zelda fan that likes to go explore a lot. The, you know, I think Skyward Sword's most ardent defenders would even have to concede that the sky is pretty barren, pretty bland, and, like, <laughs> I yep. mean, pretty, pretty awful. Is yeah, that fair, Al? That. Yeah, that's fair. I can't even think. There's what the lofty pumpkin. There's the. Uh, what else it's is like in the fun, sky? Fun island. Fun and fun island. island. Yeah. Um. And then like but, where the the giant whale flies around. Yeah. So if a new game were to come out, I think that Nintendo would benefit greatly from giving it a swift sale upgrade, like they did with Wind Waker HD. I yeah. I think like you would you would have to add something to that sky in an Some... HD remake like just something anything you know like Loftwing races or just like maybe even other Loftwings like other people or something like it's just it, it is it's very barren very bleak uh, like when, um, I would say before Skyward Sword came out, like the worst overworld in a Zelda game, a 3D Zelda game, in my opinion, would have been Wind Waker. And you know, that's not to say the Wind Waker isn't doesn't have good stuff on the sea to go at sea, but compared to even Wind Waker, Skyward Sword is like there's nothing in there. There's not like you know three or four main locations doesn't compare to even Wind Waker's what 24 islands or something 36. Yeah, I agree. I I don't think. I think Wind Waker's overworld is is not the greatest, but mostly based on how you traverse it rather than the actual content of it. But like, uh, yeah, I mean, there's just no comparison. Like, there is, it's very much a point A to point B. Like, I think you put it best. It's like a glorified loading screen almost. Yeah, like, which, like one of those it, loading sucks. screens where you can move your dude around while it's actually waiting. You know. Because, like, I'm, I'm, like, in my imagination, I can see a Zelda game working if you were able to fly around on a, you know, on a bird. If the world was, like, above the clouds, there's something to that that could be really interesting and fun. And, you know, and, like, flying around with the Loftwing was was fun. If there was just stuff for me to go and, you know, find while flying around. I mean, there were, there were like, some side quests that you could do in the sky. The problem with that, though, is that you would have to go back to... Uh, Skyloft to like trigger some of those cuts. Yeah. And if you're just trying to progress the story, like go from point A to point B, and you would like to see something in between, you're not gonna want to go all the way back to Skyloft to get that in between. You're gonna want to see it on your way there. Right. Let's talk about the story. Um, I think that everybody would probably agree that the story is really what sells Skyward Sword. I think that Skyward Sword has the best, by far, story in the Zelda series. I think it has one of the best stories. Ooh. 
I think it has one of the best stories in any game. I think it is the best by far. I am but right behind you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> to me, to me, I'm then on that on that mindset where it's like, okay, well, I I think that this story is so good, and I connect with the characters so much that it almost just takes away all of the other faults. But if you don't connect with that story, then I feel You're not like, like it. yeah, like that really. Not that the story is like make or break. But it's pretty close. Like, it, it's a big piece of the pot. Uh, you know, when I see people say that Skyward Sword is their favorite Zelda game, and there are a lot of people that do, it's always, I love the story, I love the characters. Rod, I'm guessing from that, uh, that grimace My groans that you did of pain. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I want to ask you guys first, like, what aspects of the stories... What aspects of because I agree there are good enjoyable aspects of the story stuff that I connected with but I want to know what are like the standouts to you two before I give my take. You go ahead. I'll go first, Sandy. No, it, it's all you. I oh, can go okay. if you want. <laughs> no, I got this. <laughs> um. Well, first of all, it's like it's the it's the origin story. You're setting up the entire Zelda series with this, which seems odd because it's like you know 25 years later um from the series starting but we like building up to that we've had stories but they've just been so clipped in my opinion it's just been yeah you get a little cutscene here a little cutscene at the end and boom mm -hmm. you're done with the game but you have this progressive narrative throughout the entirety of the game yes you're playing through it to make it to these points of the story that you're so eager to see you were like what do i want to see next what's going on with this uh, chick taking zelda around what's happening with this like demonic dude that's trying to kill me and i don't know it just it really grips me and i think that it's something that like i said it sets up the tone for the rest of the zelda series even though some of those games are in the past it Narrative. makes me want to go it makes me want to go back and play those zelda games and connect them to skyward sword yes the keyword is narrative there it had such an overarching like just excellent plot that featured into the story. I'm a sucker for origin stories as well, but like, you know, the cinematography of the story, the way that it was shot, the way that it, like, it, it sounds lame, but like the way that the camera angles were in these cutscenes really added to it. I think like it came a long way from kind of the, the way that Ocarina of Time story was told, like the dialogue, the way that Zelda talks to Link. I've never really been one that bought the Zelda Link romance or whatever. I was actively cheering for those two to like get together in this game. Like Same. You you I've just recently played a Link to the Past, and Zelda is like a stoic robot in that game. And I'm playing this game, and when Zelda is locking herself up and she's half Hylia, but she's still kind of Zelda, and she's just like she calls Link sleepyhead, like, God damn, that almost made me cry. You know, I think I think that you have a charismatic villain in this game in Girahim who who really is 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 creepy and unsettling um but you almost feel sorry for him at the end because he's discarded so quickly you have a, a really big bad in demise who like you don't really get to meet him but like the threat of him and the reveal of him and you know he's obviously somewhat of a precursor for Ganondorf uh, is is just such a cool moment i think Groose 
people talk about Midna and her character arc and blah blah blah. I I don't think that Midna's character arc is all that great, but I think Groose's is. Like like Groose starts off as like imagine imagine Gaston, but instead of getting worse, he got better. You know, like yeah, that's yeah. Groose. I love Fee. I don't care what anybody says. You know, she yeah, yes, same. she is kind of annoying in some kind aspects. of. Well, like, here's the thing, I separate. Fee telling me that I need to change my batteries in my Wiimote from Fee the character. I, I, how do you do that? Like, <laughs> I mean, first of all, because my batteries were always charged. I, I, she told me once, I was like, okay, I don't want to hear this anymore. I'm switching batteries. I did it out of spite. I said, no, lady, I'm going to keep my batteries low. <laughs> second, like, I don't know. I just, I'm just like, okay, well, that's like... That's like when I boot up uh, a game and it's telling me to take a pause every 15 minutes. This is when, like, Nintendo was really big into that, like, you should take a break. And I like guess they still blue, are. That freaking purple star from Mario Galaxy? Hey, you should take a break! <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Like, Do you like hey, that guy? <laughs> I don't I don't dislike him, I'm just like, you know what, he means well. <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> you, you know, I'm a, I think, I'm a grown like, man, purple star, I don't need this. <laughs> Zelda in this game is phenomenal. I think like her her character is awesome. You get so much cool like little tidbits of lore, and I'm not even like a Zelda lore guy. I think the timeline is stupid. I think most of the like theories where people are just speculating and coming up with stuff over like a one minute clip is dumb. But man, like I just I I love the way that like. It's like, man, okay, you learn about this curse, and, like, this is this is why it happens. Like, this is how the Master Sword was created, and, like, all this cool stuff happens. Um, Impa, I think, is the... This is the best version of Impa. Like, she looks awesome, her character design, she's she's cool. I think everything about this just hits for me. Oh, man, okay, I got a lot of thoughts. <laughs> um, I do want to point out the things I did enjoy about Skyward Sword Story. You mentioned Groose's arc. I think that's the best part of Skyward Sword Story. Groose is a great character. You you put it the best. Like Gaston, instead of getting worse, he got better. That's perfect. That's exactly the way it is, and that's the why I think I enjoyed that the most. I really did enjoy like the first probably hour, two hours of the story. I think I really like you said the the cinematography was really good. Um I feel like they accentuated like um, kind of the high school drama aspect of the story really well. They um, they did humor better than any Zelda game ever has. Um, yeah, I didn't even mention that. This yeah. game is funny. And um, I think Girahim is also pretty strong from a design to a character level. I do think that he is sinister in a way that not any other Zelda character has been before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, oh, and, and I, I did... I enjoy the mystery set up by Impa, you know, like we, we don't know what her motivation is. We don't know that time travel comes into it. Right. I I think that was a very fun reveal, but from like, uh, man, I I gotta like, I'm like, let's start with fee. Cause I feel like that's the one I'm most upset about. I'm like, <laughs> so this character that has been a thorn in my side, the entire game, the one that I, I just actively despise that character. I can't... I, I look at her and I just get angry <laughs> because of all the nonsense that she... And it's... I get You're right. It's like, it shouldn't be a burden for the character, but unfortunately, Nintendo saddled all of those negative feelings with that character for me. So at the end of the game, when she sacrifices herself or you know has this heartfelt moment, and I, I felt nothing. I felt nothing for that character. In fact, I felt contempt 
for the fact that now I have to think of the Master Sword as that character for the rest of my life. It's like, I am like, this really cool weapon, this this piece of, of Zelda history is, is tainted because of that dumb character that I, I have contempt for. Ugh. Uh, Get me all riled up. <laughs> that final scene, though, like, people have said I, this to you, and now I wish to say it for myself. Thank you. May we meet again in another life. Like, God, that's good. Nope. Nope, don't, I got, no, there's no, nothing in my heart for that. Oh, God. You and I have Allison. views. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know you can't ignore her, just like Navi, right? You can't ignore her if it really bothers you that much. It, 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 that's, you know, like, people hate Navi, and I feel like that's been, like, a pretty accepted aspect of being in the Zelda fan base, but I, I, don't I just. I think so either. I don't think that. I think re- Navi is actually really great, and I have a, a lot of friends that really like Navi. Nah, yeah, I'm like the things that I hate about Navi are the things I hate about Fee, and now I have to like think of this character as like kind of the precursor to <laughs> to Zelda. I don't uh, know. I'm I'm kind of like on the same boat as Andy, where I all the stuff where she's trying to guide me is just is the same as I feel about Navi, same as I feel about any companion. I'm like, yeah, I know how to play, and I know what I'm doing. It's a Zelda game. I know how to do that part. But then they get a character development on top of it. And I think that's what puts it above and beyond just that annoying character that's telling you what to do. Like, there's there's something beyond it. And I'm sorry if you found that obnoxious, but I really like it. And I was super jazzed when um, Zelda was hearing her in Breath of the Wild. I was like, yes, it's fine, yes! And I was really excited about that. I, I want to say, too, I know a lot of people are just like... Oh, that final scene where she's like human emoting was unearned because she doesn't feel anything towards Link in the whole game. I disagree with that. If you look, she like she warms up to Link in her own way. Like she's mm-hmm. she's a robot, so I mean she's gonna act like a robot. But like you see the little human esque touches here and there, and like particularly when you learn the song and she's dancing. To me, like. That was kind of like an unspoken bonding thing between them, like Link playing the harp and, and Fee kind of dancing around and, and stuff like that. And, you know, I I loved that scene, like the, the farewell scene. That's, you know, that piece of music, I think, first and foremost, is one of the best in Zelda. Fee's farewell. No, it's, it's, it's good. The, the dialogue, again, is just like, it's so, like, May We Meet in Another Life is just such a good line. Uh, I, I, it, it does. I, I dug the whole thing. I can get why people don't like her, you know, because, because of the aforementioned, like, like change your batteries, do whatever. But like, I don't know. I, I'm, maybe it comes down to if you're able to separate that from the character or not. I always thought that her like little quips, like you have a, a one in one million chance or whatever, were pretty funny. And I thought like her stuff with Scrapper was great. I love Scrapper. I love Scrapper. I don't. I don't like her. Scrapper is a G. He's you a good like guy. the asshole robot? Yeah. <laughs> at least with the the stupid uh, robot, on, I could. You don't like Scrapper? <laughs> no, I like him. It's just funny that somebody likes Scrapper more than Fi. It's okay. just funny. No, I do like Scrapper. I think he's a fun character. It's I, I... just the ratio here is just not. I like Scrapper forty three percent more than than Fee. Oh God! <laughs> oh my! No, um, I also want to address the the origin story <laughs> aspect of it. I feel like 
So Skyward Sword came out same time as the Hyrule Historia, and as much as the Hyrule Historia seemed like a cool thing at the time, I feel like it's really burdened the fan base because I feel like I had the most fun being a Zelda fan when we were all speculating about, oh, how does this game connect to this one? Is it all, are they all just, you know, myths and legends and is there a connection? You know, obviously this game follows this way, but I, I felt like that was a lot more fun than just being explicitly told. I agree. So I feel like a lot of the, the, um, it's kind of just the magic of the Zelda series as a coherent narrative was kind of just kind of diluted by the fact that we were told everything and the game that they were using to sell that timeline um, just came out at the same time. Um, I don't know. That That's just... I, that's I something agree that... with you. I, I don't like the... Like, I've never liked the timeline. I always have, have found more fun... Like, when, in Breath of the Wild, you see something, you're just like, oh, man, that's from The Wind Waker. Or, like, this is from this. But I, I think, like, not being explicitly told, like, you know, okay, this is now in this timeline that followed directly. Like, I, I agree with that. But... I also, like, I did really like, you know, for me, I'm just like, uh, okay, I want to know where the Master Sword came from. I want to know the origins and stuff like that. So I was okay with, like, the one story that I knew was like, okay, this is the beginning of everything. The rest of it can kind of fall where it may, but this one here is the beginning of the entire legend. And, like, that's another thing, like, because Historia came out pretty much the same time that Skyward Sword did, right? Or pretty yes, much when yeah. Link Between Worlds exactly. I would say they came out at the same time. So that's that's another thing that I think is like kind of auxiliary uh, ammo against Skyward Sword, if that makes sense. Like, it's something that happened around Skyward Sword rather than well, no, it, it, Hyrule's story, it kind of felt like a, a marketing gimmick to sell Skyward Sword almost. It's like, hey, we got the first Zelda game and here's the timeline to sell it. I you know I can see that and I can appreciate that I, I guess I just feel like that's something outside of what Skyward Sword sure. the game offers Fair. as well. I, I I it is hard to separate and I can see like if we're able to separate it like you know can I look at Skyward Sword objectively without all that extra stuff kind of you know uh, affecting my opinion and I, I I I can see your point trying to do that but. I just have difficulty doing it because I've been immersed in the Zelda series so much already. It, it is hard to separate it. And, and that's fair. I'm not saying that you even should have to do that, but I do. I think that it's, I think that that maybe exists is all I'm saying. And here's an example, like something that I need to do to like separate Skyward Sword from the rest of the Zelda series. I feel like Demise, while he's a really cool looking character, I felt like his design is awesome. And he had a very like, threatening um aura around him i don't think he was a very strong character and for them to establish him as like this curse that lives on through the whole series and you know kind of um you know infects ganon ganondorf i feel like that all that does to me is make ganondorf seem less important you know he's he doesn't have the agency that i felt like he had in ocarina of time or the wind waker and so on. Um, which, I don't know, kind of sucks to me. Because I feel like Ganon is like... One, like You know, in terms of just like pure evil, he's a great villain. And so to think that there's this other outside force manipulating him. Or, you know, kind of like channeling itself through him. Just seems like it's doing him a disservice. I would have rather had a different character, you know, that wasn't kind of saddled to this... 
ancient uh you know cycle of of you know good versus evil i don't know so much if i i can i can see what you're saying but i don't know so much if i agree that he is just being used by demise i feel like he is this incarnate version of demise like demise you're right isn't really a, a great character but i didn't really think of him as a character so much as like this like embodiment of hatred he, he's like a force i don't think yeah, he was ever like supposed a, to be a character he's like a force of nature he's like a thing you know and then this thing you destroy it and it says yeah i hate your guts i'm hatred so i'm going to follow you for the rest of your existence and your uh reincarnation's existence so on so on and so it becomes ganondorf so ganondorf i feel is still its own character he's just he ha- he's born from that hatred though and with that yeah, said and i think i think like you know, fan fiction or, or um, I've seen animations kind of address this. I would actually like to see the Zelda series kind of tackle that as, you know, what is going on through Ganondorf's head, you know, in when being confronted by this force, you know, this force of nature, like you guys put it. Well, I think like, what? so when, when you play a Zelda game and you, you frequently start off and you're, and somebody tells Link, like, you are the hero chosen by destiny. Like, what is that destiny, right? Like, let's say that's the the goddess Hylia. So, to me, it's just like, okay, Link is chosen and Zelda is chosen by this by this goddess as, like, these destined heroes. Whereas, like, it, but I don't feel like they lose any of their agency in doing that. Whereas Ganondorf can be the same thing, chosen by destiny, but the destiny is the, the curse of demise that has chosen him instead. Sure. I, I also liked it, too, because I am kind of of the opinion... And I feel like everybody's gonna dump on this, but like I'm kind of of the opinion that I want Ganondorf to go away. Like, I, I I can see that too. I, I feel like he it's it's time for him to go sit on the bench, so to say. I'm, I'm gonna pull a Metroid reference here and say like each Metroid like couple of games they introduce like a new big villain. The first couple of games the big villain was Mother Brain. Second, the Prime trilogy was. Dark Samus. I mean, yes, you have Ridley there, but he's not really, like, your main villain. I just feel like, like, you beat Ganondorf once, Ocarina of Time, you beat him again in Wind Waker, you beat him again in Twilight Princess. Like, I feel like a a serious character like Ganondorf kind of needs to get, like, his licks in, in order to be, like, that serious, credible threat. And I, you know, Ocarina of Time aside, I, I don't know that he has done that necessarily in a long time. So, like, I would be okay with Ganondorf going away, but then you have like the kind of, you have the mechanism where you can go, okay, well, Ganondorf may be defeated once and for all, but this curse that Demise created still lives on. Here's this new villain that is the embodiment of this curse. And like this new guy will have instant, instant credibility that will elevate him over the <laughs> level of a villain of like a, of like a Bellum or a Chancellor Cole or something like that. That villain will be getting the rub in the wrestling parlance. Yeah, exactly. He, you know, he has the, he's the new holder of the demise curse. If you want to keep that analogy going, like, so he, he has the credibility and he has the, you know what I mean? He's, he's like a made, he's a made villain. Sure. I I can buy that. And I, I think as the series goes on, if, the Zelda series, if they choose, if the Zelda team chooses to utilize Demise in that way and kind of explore what that relationship is for his, I don't know, his hosts or whatever they want to put it, I think that would be interesting. It's just, as it stands now, I just don't see them, 
I don't know. Other than Skyward Sword, it's just like they haven't really touched on it. Um, well, let's let's wrap it up here and uh, talk about an HD remake. I think we we all agree that this is going to happen. At they some need point. it. Yes. So, two questions for you guys, and Al, you can you can kick us off. What do you think that an HD remake needs more than anything else? So, like Wind Waker got the swift sale. Uh, Twilight Princess was still ugly, but when Skyward Sword <laughs> HD comes out, wow! What do you? <laughs> What do you think this game needs more than anything? And does an HD version of Skyward Sword help its legacy? What do you think? I think an HD remake of this game needs, obviously, the um, the upgraded visuals. Because I agree with Rod. It's, it's in standard definition. It doesn't look that pretty anymore. But most importantly, I think they need to stick with what they had this first time with their gut that told them they need to do the motion controls, but just make it better. Improve it 110% with the Joy-Con, because I feel like the Joy-Con are the perfect tools to make this game how they wanted it to be originally. And, um... So, to improve the controls, make swimming better, make flying better, and then, yes, give a, a some kind of fast travel option to get through that sky. I don't know if they can incorporate something new into that sky. Um, they could they could try like the Lothwing races, like you said, but I I don't know if they need to make it that much different. I just think they need to give it some those uh, quality of life improvements, and that'll just make it an ex- a spectacular game that people could actually give a chance this time around. That's pretty cool. So you're doubling down on the motion controls, and you're. Instead of fixing the sky, you want an option to almost be able to skip it entirely. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like that. What do you think, Rod? I th- I'm going to go the opposite direction and say they need to strip the motion controls out or give me an option not to use them at all. And uh, Eiji Onuma, when they asked him about this, uh, this I think it was this year, he was yeah. very surprised to hear, you want us to just take them out? I don't think that's possible. And I, I don't disagree with him. I think the problem is the motion controls are so inherently tied to the gameplay that you can't just take them out. So it's almost like you'd have to make the game from the ground up again if you want to do that, which, hey, man, if you guys have the time, you can do it, and I won't be unhappy. <laughs> but I, I recognize that is a that is a whole hassle that you know probably might not be worth the time to do. But if it was like the perfect remake, in my opinion, I think giving me the option to not have motion controls at all would be good. And even with your uh, Switch Joy-Cons. Like, having just played uh, Pokemon Let's Go Eevee, those Joy-Cons don't work all that well compared to the Wii Motion Plus did. So, I like, even with the Joy-Cons. Poor, I think that's a poor example. Let's Go is not that great of a motion Fair. control game. But I'm like, if they if they do have, like, really... If they're able to, like, you know, make the, the motion controls flawless, you know, maybe I'll enjoy them more. And, um... I think fast travel would be would be helpful. In fact, having like when you drop into a new province from the sky, letting you choose where you drop, you know, like closer to your destination rather than have to retread the same ground over and over again, I think might be helpful. It might like make exploration more fun even. Um even in those kind of like more isolated areas. Um and heck, yeah, add stuff to the sky. Give us stuff to go and find. Um 
that's that's all I got. Oh, and, and take the fluff out. <laughs> I was I was just thinking about those. Uh, who? What's the big black monster that you fight in the pit three times? Oh, <laughs> oh. the imprisoned, the freaking <laughs> Muppet. <laughs> oh, you call that's so the funny. Fluff. A lot of people I know call him a giant avocado. That too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the imprisoned. Have us just fight it once. We don't need. We don't need. Or, or replace him with something else. You know, I, I feel like that is a perfectly fair criticism of Skyward Sword. Because, you know, this is my second favorite Zelda game. And, and, like, I don't like fighting him three times either. I think it's... Right. He just... He doesn't look menacing. No. And, and that whole fight is not fun. Like, at all. You know, like, kind of... I, I think it can be when you have the Groose Cannon. But, like, when you run up the spiral and you and you jump off, that, that like, that part isn't fun. Yeah. I agree, if, and, if and the you fact were that they able make you to just instantly use like Rivaldi's Gale and jump a million feet into the air and then come back down on his head, like that would be one thing. But yeah, can... I feel like if if they were to if I they mean, were to replace, again. it was like if they could replace like some of those reused enemies and bosses with something else, you know, would different boss encounters in the same area. I, I'd at least like be refreshed and not feel like I'm retreading the same ground. My answer is kind of an uh, amalgamation of the two of yours. Al, I, I love that you want them to double down on the motion controls, but I, I think that what this game needs to be successful for an HD remake is to have an option where you can just play it regularly or as regularly as possible. And, like, there is some aspects where, like, you, you need to move your sword around. Like, there's no getting around that. I think mm-hmm. what you could maybe do to get around this is kind of pull... In Okami, where you you click down, let's just say you click down LZ, and whenever you're clicking down LZ, when you move the the joystick, instead of moving Link, you're moving your sword. And um, I, I think that if you implemented something like that for like quick bursts, where let's say you need to to turn the dungeon key or like you need to um, slash an enemy in, in a very particular uh, order or way. I think that that might be able to work. I mean, I, I don't know exactly how you do it. I wouldn't want to play this game without much controls, but I think that it is important that you present the option to do that, at least, for a lot of the people like Rod that are just like, man, these motion controls are no good, and I don't, I don't want anything to do with it. Because I think there are a lot of people like that. Yeah. I think that you got to add something to the sky, anything to the sky. You have to add fast travel, for sure. Um, I think what would really help a lot of people it, it, with this game kind of to Rod's point earlier, is maybe maybe you could add in um, a couple points to interconnect uh, Faron to Lanayru or Lanayru to Elden or, like, something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, make that feel a little less segmented off. I don't know how you do it. Maybe there's, like, something in between. I- I'm not sure. But I think that that would go a long way to kind of winning over the people that are just like oh man like there's nothing to explore in this game either so um i i think if it can do that then an hd remake will drastically change the legacy of skyward sword and i can't wait until that comes out me too yeah i i I wouldn't argue with it getting released i support it um so i you know what i bet you that comes out soon like if not i think whatever year breath of the wild 2 isn't skyward sword hd is if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our um our guesstimate from January was totally off, Andy. 
Oh god, what was our guesstimate from January? We said it was going to get announced at E3 and released in August. That's that's the secret. Breath of the Wild 2 is Skyward Sword HD. Yikes! <laughs> <laughs> and the, all those caves that they're exploring at the bottom, that's the, the space between the provinces. <laughs> Why you gotta fact check us like that, Al? I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting that we were so wrong. Well, it's... It's not the first thing that this show has been so wrong about. <laughs> Definitely not the last, that's for damn sure. Um, you guys, thank you for having such a fantastic conversation about yep. Skyward Sword. I think that like everybody had really awesome points. And, uh, you know, I would be really, really curious. I'm really looking forward to the response and reaction to this episode from everybody listening. So uh, thank you both for coming on. Yeah. Thanks, fun. Andy. Well, let's wrap it up. Of course, next week, uh, like we said, Best Zelda Ever 2019 is going to be out. So we're going to be talking about that and uh, breaking down the list. Uh, That drops on the 30th of November. So head over to ZeldaDungeon.net for that. We're out of here. We're out of time. Uh, Make sure that you join us next week on the Champions Cast. Uh, While you do, go over to iTunes, Podbean, all of your major podcast apps, wherever you get them like and subscribe leave us a five-star review if you think we've earned it and uh, tell your friends about the show that's it that's all i'm on twitter i'm at spateri 316 rod is at rod the master allison is at allison aletha we're out of here and we will see you next week